Welcome to Perspectives. I'm Joan Herman. For the first time in 25 years, Clatsop County will be getting a new district attorney. Incumbent Josh Marquis is not seeking re-election. Running unopposed for the county's top law enforcement spot in the May 15th election is Ron Brown. He has some 38 years experience practicing the law, including 30 years as a prosecutor. He has been Clatsop County's chief deputy district attorney since 2004. In his voters pamphlet statement, Brown promises to increase the drug task force and continue to support the drug court program. He also would like to explore expanding the Victims Advocate Support Program, among his other goals. A native of Klamath Falls, he holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in Political Science from Oregon State University and a law degree from the University of Oregon. Welcome to the studio, Ron. Thank you, Joan. It's nice to be here. Why did you decide to run for the district attorney's position? Well, I, I felt it was, it was my duty uh, to step up uh, uh, when Josh decided to retire. I've got uh, by far the most experience of anybody in our office, and I just felt like it was my time to do so. For somebody who may not be aware, what exactly does the district attorney do? Well, as you kind of introduced it there, the district attorney uh, is the, the uh, chief uh, law enforcement lawyer and uh, makes decisions with regard to who to prosecute and for what crimes to prosecute and uh, whether to prosecute people, and whether to make uh, create plea bargains for people, uh, basically to handle all criminal law type of decisions made for their county. And the office in general, what does the office do for the county at large? Well, uh, we do a lot of different things. We handle not only all of the felonies and the misdemeanor cases that uh, occur in Classic County, uh, we also do civil commitment hearings for people that uh, are struggling and, and uh, are um, a danger to themselves or others. Uh, we also um, do a, a child support enforcement, and that's that's a pretty big thing in this day and age because a lot of offices, a lot of local counties don't have child support enforcement. So uh, a lot of people don't think about that when they think about the DA's office, but that's another one of our integral um, uh, jobs. Had you been thinking about running for a while? Uh, well, I've been thinking about it because Josh has been talking about winding down. Uh, but I, well, it's never been a real political aspiration of mine. I, uh, I tend to like to be under the radar. So this position is go going to put you in the limelight somewhat. Yeah, definitely. And how do you feel? Well, uh, as I said, I think it's my, my time to do so. I'm the one that's got the most experience, and um, I have the bar number that, with the oldest age. So I think it's my turn. Were you waiting for your boss to retire? Yes, definitely. I could have probably gone without even being a district attorney, but I've got a, a kid in high school still, so I'm going to be a, a practicing a little bit longer than Josh. Okay. Why do you think no one has chosen to run against you? That's a good question, Joan. Um, and I'm, I'm really kind of surprised, as I told you earlier, uh, there's over 15,000 lawyers in our state. And frankly, Astoria is a very nice place to live and work. And so I'm, I'm really kind of surprised that at least somebody from Portland didn't uh, decide to, to throw in. Uh, because it doesn't cost very much to file. Or what about one of the local defense attorneys now practicing here? 
Well, I, they, they, uh, they have contracts, uh, all of the local defense attorneys, and so it, it can sometimes be cumbersome to uh, try to get rid of their state contract in, at, at the appropriate time. So I'm sure that had to factor in. Uh, plus, it's, a diffi- it's not just something that you, um, you get out of law school. It's a real profession, and it's something that's, that you have to learn. And it's a different kind of job than being a defense attorney. So um, from a defense attorney standpoint, they, they, uh, they probably uh, had to think twice because they, they didn't have the opportunity, and they, they, they chose a different path. Would you make more money? I'm just curious as a private lawyer. Well, that's, that's what the suspicion is, yes, uh, that p- people typically make uh, quite a bit more. Uh, either Even doing court-appointed work, the, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty, um, it pays pretty well. What do you see as the biggest challenges facing our county in terms of law enforcement? Well, I see the drug problem as being one of the major, major issues because uh, there are so many drugs out there. Plus, there's a lot of other crime that goes along with drug crime. Uh, People stealing to support their habits. Uh, uh, People that are high on on drugs um, getting assaulted because of the type of drugs that they're taking. So I see the drug problem as being one of the primary uh, concerns right now because it just has so many different repercussions for the county, and, and not, not to mention all of our kids and grandkids. Um, it's, it's major, major drugs are getting into the high schools and sometimes even more. So, What are the main drugs that concern you? Heroin and uh, methamphetamine are the two major ones. Cocaine also is, is, is fairly prevalent in this county, but heroin and methamphetamine. And those drugs are in our high schools? Yes, they are. They, they are, in fact. What do you see as the best way to get a handle on our huge drug problem? Well, that's a, that is a huge question that people have been uh, trying to answer for decades uh, when I first came here in 2004, methamphetamine was uh, the primary drug that was abused. Uh, there was a little bit of heroin, but not the heroin to the point of where we are. Uh, there was a methamphetamine su- summit uh, that was conducted, and uh, part of the problem is we just don't seem to have um, a unified uh, front towards trying to deal with the problem. Um, there's been attempts at decriminalizing it. Uh, to make it a misdemeanor. Um, we'll have to wait and see how that goes, but that tends to make it seem like it's less important. And from a law enforcement standpoint, I, I don't think that's a particularly good way to deal with it. Um, the Surgeon General has advocated the use of Narcan in order to try to bring people back that have overdosed on heroin. I kind of question how good of an idea that is in terms of, I mean, it's a great idea for the person who's overdosed, but the message to the public, I think, is, is, um, is a mixed message. And uh, we just got too many different things out there and too many different kinds of agendas. And I don't think that we're taking a, a, um, a unified approach to trying to deal with the entire problem. Now, that's way, way easier said than done because I'm not sure that anybody's come up with a unified approach anywhere in the world for, to this kind of drug problem. Well, and a lot of these problems are fairly new, aren't they? They are indeed. Yeah. The county commission has placed or will place a $23.8 million bond measure on the ballot in November to uh, remodel the former juvenile correctional correctional facility in Warrington. 
into an adult jail. What is your position on that? Well, my position is we're, we are in desperate need of jail beds right now. We have people that get arrested for delivery of, of heroin that are out uh, dealing heroin in our community. And those people are let out of jail because of jail crowding the very day after they're arrested. So we have drug dealers who are being arrested by the police. And due to nobody, nobody in particular's fault, uh, due to lack of jail space, those kind of people are getting out and they're on the street within a day or two to do whatever they were uh, doing before they got arrested. And uh, so right now, there's, there's really no room to put people. There's also no room to put people uh, uh, that have um, committed drug crimes that perhaps just need to see the inside of a jail cell to make a decision that they don't want to do drugs anymore. Sometimes uh, uh, going to jail uh, is the, the first step towards rehabilitation. As you know, a lot of people would disagree with that. They'd say those people should be right in treatment immediately. That's so, true. But is that possible that you can do both? Um, I think so. I mean, it, 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 it's, uh, I, I've talked to a lot of drug counselors, and the drug counselors seem to think that uh, incarcerating somebody for a couple of days or uh, a brief period of time can often, often be a very sobering, uh, have a very sobering effect on a person who has a drug problem. And I've heard it from drug people themselves that uh, the, the, the day they hit rock bottom was the day they ended up in jail. What other serious crimes really concern you? Well, sex abuse is always something that concerns me because um, there's always uh, sex, child sexual abuse uh, going on in communities. And uh, it's, it's getting harder and harder to prosecute those kind of cases. The uh, appellate courts are extremely stringent on um, review of those cases, as they should be. Uh, but sexual abuse is probably the thing that I think that we um, uh, have in our community that also is something that that is uh, that we have to work on and have to work harder on. And um, we have to find enough room in our jails to be able to put uh, sex offenders as well. You and Don Buzzard, one of the uh other deputy DAs in the department have worked quite a bit together on sex abuse cases, haven't you? That's correct. Uh-huh. And I'm just curious, how did you get into prosecuting those cases? Well, I, um, I, as a person gets more experience and more experience, you start delving into more serious crimes all the time. And then uh, certain people just uh, seem to gravitate towards victim work type of work. And Don and I uh, like to work with victims and like to see how victims change from the time that they're taken out of a bad situation to the time that they're in a good situation and then uh, as a as a case progresses to the very end to see the end result for the victim so it's 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 I guess just being uh, wanting to help victims wanting to uh, put away bad guys um, those are the kind of things that have led me into uh, doing sex abuse cases they're the, they're the most difficult kind of cases there are out there to prosecute because most of the time they don't have any physical evidence. Uh, we have physical evidence in murder cases. We have physical evidence in drug cases. Um, we rarely have physical evidence in sexual abuse cases, and so that's what makes them the most challenging, and that's part of the reason why I like to do them. You don't get some DNA evidence? We do occasionally, but not very often. Uh, most of the time, uh, especially child sexual abuse, uh, does not get reported in a very... Uh, 
uh, expedient fashion for all different kinds of reasons. So most of the time, uh, there is no physical evidence that goes along with child sex abuse cases. Are there any cases that you've prosecuted that really stand out in particular, particularly in your time here in Clatsop County? Yeah, the uh, the Randy Roden case um, that we talked about when we were here um, one of the times stands out in my mind. We just helped present, uh, did a presentation up at the Oregon uh, Child Abuse Summit on the Roden case. And I was kind of amazed when we drug the materials back out and started looking at the pictures and the issues in it so that we could tell the people in Portland about it. It really brought back home uh, just how awful that case was. Uh, You remind me about that. Roden Roden and uh, the mother of the child, Dorothy Wing, um, had three little kids. And Eva, the three-year-old daughter, uh, was beaten to death, uh, died from blunt force trauma back in 26, uh, excuse me, uh, 2014. And her two brothers were also traumatized. Uh, and uh, When was that? That was down at Seaside. And what was the, uh, what happened with the case? Uh, Randy Roden was convicted of murder. Uh, Dorothy Wing pled guilty to manslaughter in the first degree and criminal mistreatment. Uh, Mr. Roden's now doing about 37 years in prison uh, for murder and assault uh, of those three kids. I would imagine it's really hard to let cases like that go at the end of the day. It is totally. It what is totally. do you do? Uh, well, I, I, I try to go out and, and get exercise uh, as much as I can. I also try to actively pursue my spiritual life. Uh, the, and at the Child Abuse Summer, it, they talk a lot about the fact that you've got to get outlets away from that stressful stuff or you'll it'll, it'll tend to drag you down because it's so negative most of the time uh, that it can, it can give you a very jaundiced view of uh, society and life in general. And that's no good. Uh, you want to try to be as positive about things as you can. Um, and so those are the kind of things I do. And, and they certainly at those kind of conferences um, emphasize that you better have something like that as part of your, your daily makeup. You mentioned the Child Abuse Summit. Yes, ma'am. What is that? Uh, it's a week-long summit. That's it was the nineteenth annual one this year. Uh, it's ha- it's uh, held over at the Red Lion at uh, Jansen Beach, and it's put on. It's a four-day conference that um, is an international conference. They have speakers from all over the world, not all over the world, but some places all over the world, and all over the United States. People come from quite quite a ways to come to it, and it's all about child abuse and neglect. Uh, and so you can, uh, we have social workers, we have doctors, we have lawyers, we have cops, uh, and we all go and learn more about uh, child abuse and neglect from other professionals who um, teach all about that type of thing. So it's, it's very concentrated, but there's also uh, very good uh, motivational speakers that uh, keep you motivated. And that's what you want. You you want to be energized when you come out of a conference like that because you're dealing with abuse and neglect, and uh, they have to delve quite a bit into that. You see a lot of photographs, sometimes audio tapes that are very, um, very uh, hard to take. And um, so it you need a lot of motivation in that regard, or you're going to end up very burned out or very negative about life. What does motivate you to keep going? Well, I think it's the it's the it's the faces of the victims. Um, 
I, uh, I just love to see the smiles on their faces after they've dealt with us for a while. And, and regardless of how the case comes out, I think we, we improve the victim's life uh, considerably. And uh, that's why I do it, is to try to, to make somebody's life better. Do you keep in touch with any of them? Yes, we do. And that was kind of what I was uh, alluding to in my voters pamphlet. Uh, we keep track of victims. It, they they send us graduation announcements. We love it when they send us wedding announcements really? or birthing announcements and come back. Yeah, we have them come back 10 or 15 years after the fact sometimes. Wow. And I'd like to start getting the uh, the former graduates uh, back in the business of helping the the new the newer ones because it's a very scary proposition, particularly if you have to go to trial and see the abuser in the courtroom and you're a kid. Um, and you can have people in the courtroom uh, to support you, but ultimately, it, when the day is done, you need you have to tell the story by yourself in order to ultimately get the person convicted. And uh, that's a very that's a very tough thing to do. So we try to have as big a support group as we can to try to help that person get through the court process. And so I think former victims, of course, would have the best knowledge of how to do that. I'd like to get as many former victims um, helping us with our new victims that we can. I would think that would be empowering for them as well. And the few times that I've done that, uh, it has been, yes, definitely that. What sets you apart from your boss, Josh Marquis? Uh, well, that's a that's an interesting question. One I get asked <laughs> all the time, and uh, I'd say um, I'm I'm a I'm an under the radar sort of person. I uh, I uh, would just as soon not have my name in the paper uh, as as have it, and um, I just am kind of a more low key person than Josh is. But we have a lot of the very same priorities as far as what we what, how we want to see the office run, and 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 how we think that uh, people should be prosecuted in regard to certain crimes. Do you foresee the district attorney's office changing much once you uh, assume the helm? Well, it'll certainly change some, um, but uh, I'm not sure the policies will change all that much. I guess we'll wait to see um, what I'm asked to do in, in, in terms of things by either the judges or by the police agencies uh, or by defense attorneys in terms of changing any of our existing policies. But right now, I don't have any particular um, agenda in terms of changing things. Uh, I may even keep the same office I've got and leave the one for Josh's. Uh, we'll make it a library or something. But um, no, I, I, I tend to think the office will be run fairly similarly to the way it is now. Why did you decide to get into the law in the first place, Ron? Well, my girlfriend was going to law school, and so that's why I decided to go too. Seriously? Yeah, very, very well informed and thought out process here. Yeah, she. You must she, have been pretty smitten. Um, yeah, I guess so. I, I also didn't have anything better to do, and so <laughs> I went ahead and took the test and decided to go. It wasn't quite as expensive back then, so um, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't something I had been thinking about since I was born. So. Uh, it, a lot of my decisions have been based on um, which direction the the women were headed in my life. Well, law school is pretty hard to get into, I've heard, and it's pretty challenging. But you stuck with it, obviously. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was one of the hardest things I've had to do. It's it was one of the most I, the first week of law school. I thought I was never going to make it out because I thought I was I had to be the stupidest one there, uh, and I think I was. But at least I made it through and and uh, got to be where I am. 
Did you always want to be a prosecutor? Yes, uh, I always did. In fact, I didn't really want to get out of the DA's office when I did. I didn't get along with the, the, the DA at the time, and so I decided to delve into private practice. But I found myself um, wishing I was back on the other side pretty much from the outset. What would you say are the most important qualities a prosecutor should have? Well, you've got to be empathetic, and you've got to be honest, and you have to be forthright. Uh, you got to be able to tell people that they either have a case or they don't have a case or what the problems are with the case. Um, you can't sugarcoat things. But you got to be in the in, in, at the end of the day, you got to be honest um, with whoever's asking the, asking you the question, whether it's the cops or the judge or the victims. Um, you've got to be square with them. What other challenges are facing the county? Joan, I think that uh, it's kind of a, an offshoot of the proliferation of controlled substances and, al and alcohol in this county, but we're seeing more and more car motor vehicle crashes uh, where people are under the influence of either alcohol or a controlled substance or a combination of the two. And uh, it's, 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 uh, it's the kind of thing where sometimes people are killed and uh, if not, people are seriously injured. And we're seeing more and more of those cases all the time. And uh, I think it's partly due to the, uh, to the amount of controlled substances out there. And we need to develop the resources to be able to investigate those kind of crimes and, um, and make sure that um, the, the people that are driving under the influence that are hurting or killing people are righteously prosecuted. What is the best way to punish those people? Well, most of the time, unfortunately, it's prison because if they if it's somebody that's that's killed, uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty difficult to recommend pro to tell a, a victim's family that the person's going to be uh, out on probation when someone in their family has been killed or seriously injured. So, most of the time, those cases end up in prison sentences. Is that do you think that's a good resolution for such a case? Well, uh, yes, in this county particularly, because we really don't have the the resources to say give somebody uh, a year in the county jail. You could, the most you can do is a year in the county jail. And sometimes people will say, well, I'll be happy to do a year in the county jail as long as I don't go to prison. And we always say, well, we don't have the luxury of that because we don't have uh, a large jail where we might be able to give a person a year in the county jail as opposed to a, a uh, prison sentence. So uh, right now, it, with the, the, the jail situation being what it is, the prison sentences are really the only option for people that seriously hurt or kill people in motor vehicle crashes where they're under the influence. If the county jail were expanded, if the bond measure were approved in November, would that change, allow more spots for people convicted of manslaughter? It would, it would actually change things considerably all the way around because we could consider different kinds of sentences where prison time could be over somebody's head and they could be put on probation, uh, but they could do a lengthy jail sentence just so that they could uh, pay, repay their debt. Uh, we, it would give us a, a different option other than strictly uh, prison or nothing. If you were omnipotent and could uh, wave a magic wand, what would be the best way to prevent crimes from happening in the first place? Well, education, uh, I think, is really what it comes down to, is educating people 
uh, about what is out there. I, I try to educate people that are on the grand jury. We change grand juries every two months, and I try to educate people that are on the grand jury because even though if you've lived in this community every day of your life, a lot of times you don't know what the problematic areas or the underside, underbelly is of the community. And um, education is for, for the people uh, that aren't involved in controlled substances just to let them know what to look for uh, and what to be careful of and not, not leave your car unlocked and don't leave your house unlocked and all those kinds of things. But I think we need to educate people a lot about the effects of drugs, not only the effects immediately but the long-term effects uh, of drugs and the fact that you could end up in prison if you end up driving a car after you're under the influence and you hurt or kill somebody. So I think it's a question of educating the public all the way around about the uh, risks involved in use of drugs all the way around. You mentioned heroin. Does this county have a big problem with legal opiates? Uh, well, yes. I think, I think lots of places have trouble with legal opiates because it depends on um, how those legal opiates are prescribed and, and whether they're overprescribed or whether they get in the wrong hands uh, because they are certainly the the uh, one of the things that lead a person to to use heroin because the opiates uh, are addictive and oftentimes some person will have a valid prescription and they'll end up getting um, addicted to whatever the thing is and then they'll find that it's too expensive to keep up that particular pill habit so they convert to heroin because it's much cheaper and then they're a heroin addict and, um, and then the, the, the community is just that much worse off. Explain the district attorney's office, uh, office's relationship with police departments in the county. Well, we're their legal advisor in most uh, respects. We, we, we try to teach them um, what the, how, to, how to conduct searches, how to conduct seizures, how to conduct traffic stops, uh, what the elements of various crimes are, what the best ways are to investigate the crimes. And then we get all the reports from them, and we, just, we make decisions on what crimes to file. Uh, they don't work for us, however, so uh, I get complaints about uh, individual cops fre frequently, and people aren't very satisfied to hear, well, you need to get a hold of their supervisor or their chief because they don't work for me. I have no ability to suspend anybody or to write somebody up or give them a, a, a chewing out I can, I can instruct them or I can ask their supervisor to look into it, but they don't directly work for the, the DA's office. Do, does the office do a lot of training for police departments in, for example, how to conduct um, oh, an investigation into a murder? Exactly. Uh, we, we, we put on trainings. Uh, I also send out a uh, monthly newsletter to the police where I try to touch on two or three or four uh, topics that are rather hot at the time. But, um, yes, we do, we do as much training of the police as we can. What else would you like the public to know about you, Ron, before you become our new DA? Well, I've uh, lived here for almost 15 years. I think it's a wonderful place to, to live and work. Uh, I think that this place has an incredible amount of promise. I'm really happy to be here. Um, and I invite anybody that's got questions or comments about the district attorney's office to call me or come down and talk to me um, because we'd be happy to share with you what we do and to listen to what you think we, our performance has been. Well, thank you. Unfortunately, we are out of time. 
I want to thank my guest, Ron Brown, for coming into the studio today and speaking about his candidacy. Thanks, Ron. Thanks for inviting me. Brown will become Clatsop County's first new district attorney in 25 years when his term begins next January. He is running unopposed for the county's top law enforcement position as incumbent Josh Marquis is not seeking re-election. Brown has 38 years experience practicing law, including 14 serving as Clatsop County's chief deputy district attorney under Marquis. The Klamath Falls native earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in political science from Oregon State University and a law degree from the University of Oregon. Ballots have been mailed to all registered voters in the county and must be returned to an official ballot drop box or the county clerk's office in Astoria no later than 8 p.m. on Tuesday, May 15th. Postmarks do not count. This is Perspectives, and I'm your host, Joan Herman. The show is brought to you in part by a grant from the Clatsop County Cultural Coalition. Perspectives was engineered today by Brian Bovenizer. The show can be heard Fridays on the stations of Coast Community Radio. You also can find show podcasts on the station's website. If you would like to contact me, send me an email to perspectives at coastradio.org. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to vote.